I am really pumped about this brand new um, sermon series at the top of this uh, year called Donkey Faith. And let me get into why I like this so much that, you, you know, when the, the world that I was born into is not the world that our children are born into. It's not the world that it is today. Um, Faith was still a high priority and it was a given. It was a majority vote. It was a major, it, it was the majority of our population uh, was Christian. And, and, and now in America, we are increasingly in a post-Christian uh, society. Um, the, the amount of nuns are increasing. I'm not going back to my Catholic faith and talking about people who wear a veil, ladies who wear a veil. I'm talking about nuns are a group of people who have no experience with church whatsoever. I, I, I didn't grow up in church. My, my family didn't go to church. Or maybe we rarely went. We just went for Christmas and Easter. And that's about all I was exposed to church. And listen, that's okay if that's where you're at. But increasingly, that's where people are at. And God can start with you right where you're at. But we need to understand that in our world today, there, we, there are people abandoning Christian values swifter than ever and we live in a different world which means that God is not taken by surprise and you and I were chosen tell your neighbor chosen come on you were chosen we were chosen for such a time as this he's not taken by surprise and I believe God's got a big plan and uh, I, I do not fear the future. I am excited about the future because um, even though hostility to God's word might increase, the question I want to ask is, will your faith prevail in the firestorm? The, the next conversation you have could be, you still believe in that? Or you actually believe in that? Or I, I, I believe in all the other Christian values that I like, but the ones that don't line up with my own personal worldview, I dismiss all of those. And will your faith, the real faith, prevail in a firestorm? And it doesn't matter how uh, harsh the conditions may come. Uh, my wife my wife and I have a, a, a horse at our house, and something that I notice is without any of our help, as the winter season comes, the horse all by itself knows how to adjust to a harsher climate, and it develops a winter coat that was not there before. Just like your eyeballs know how to adjust to a dark room, I believe that our faith needs to be so resilient that no matter what comes at us, come on, is anybody ready for 2024 and go help me preach today? Today. No matter what kind of turbulent times come, we're going to have a resilient faith that stands strong no matter what's thrown our way. If that's you, come on, let me have an amen and a shout for God right now. I, I, I'm a, I'm a two-way preacher. I preach better when you talk back to me. Come on. When you shout with me, when you clap, when you go, all right now, pastor. Go ahead and practice that in this new year. Say, all right now, pastor. All right now. We have a church now. <laughs> for the next three weeks... We're going to be in Numbers chapter 22 through 24. So if you've got your Bible, go with me to Numbers chapter 22. I, um, I've only got three Sundays to talk about this, and I am loaded. I've got a ton of content that I want to share because I truly believe for half a year now that this was the series we were starting our brand new year in. Because there's so much, I got started on this content 
this past Wednesday, our first Wednesday experience. If you were here, let me hear you shout out because the, the house was full, this room was packed, and God was moving in a mighty way, and I want to invite you every first Wednesday to an extra experience through the week. But in case you want to go deeper on this content, go to our podcast channels or our YouTube channel and check out First Wednesday's message. It'll give you more color to what we're talking about today. I'm not going to leave you hanging if you didn't hear it, but I am going to tell you there's more where this came from that started on Wednesday, all right? And so as we get into Numbers chapter 22, I always want to make sure you understand what's going on so we can see how it applies to us today. In Numbers 22, there's a few significant characters that you need to know. There's King Balak, there's Balaam, there's a nation of Israel, and there is a talking donkey. Someone say, I'm making waffles. <laughs> Balak, Balaam, the nation of Israel, and a talking donkey are all in this one uh, uh, portion of Numbers 22 through 24, which is one of my favorite passages and teaches us so much about who God is and how we are to live for him. Now, Balak is the king of Moab. He's an, it's an enemy nation. It's not a godly nation. In fact, this nation, uh, uh, just like any other nation at that time, desires power, desires influence, desires uh, territory, desires um, ju just to be king of the hill. But the problem is, in Numbers 22, what I talked about on Wednesday night is, the Israel nation is God's people, and the hand of God is on their life. It doesn't matter how seemingly weak they look. It doesn't matter if they have a slave mentality of 400 years of being birthed into slavery. It doesn't matter if they have not figured out their conquering nature just yet. The conquering God has his hand on them. And so when God says to go, there is no opposition that can stand up against them. Consequently, the Israelite nation has already taken out other nations. And the king of Moab says, they're coming for us next. And I've seen stronger nations than us stand up to them and lose. So there's no chance that we're going to win. And so he goes to hire a diviner, a sorcerer. A proven magician, psychic, voodoo priest of some sort in that day named Balaam. Who says, I'm going to pay you handsomely if you will curse this nation. Because if we just go hand-to-hand -hand combat, we're going to lose. But if you can put a spiritual voodoo curse on them, then I believe we could have the upper hand. And maybe, just maybe, we'll have a chance at taking out God's people. Oh, I wish I could preach to you something I preached on Wednesday, that the world is more scared of Christians realizing who they are than, than we realize. I think the Christian church needs to wake up and understand we have a conquering king with a name that's above every name, and demons flee when they hear that name. Can I get a shout of praise? So he tries to, he tries to hire Harry Potter. I'm not joking. He tries to hire David Blaine of his time. He, he, Balaam has a proven track record of success. You want to know how I know this? Because he's still alive. Sorcerers at that time, 
if they did some sort of voodoo mysticism, ooh, I believe that you will prevail over this next nation, guess what? If they attack that nation and they lose, guess who's the next person who dies? The sorcerer who was full of crap. <laughs> they come home and they say, off with his head, gone. Like, you would be dead if you were not successful. And Numbers 22 actually says he went to a proven sorcerer named Balaam. So Balaam, for the next three weeks, we're going to talk about him. He is an interesting character because at no point in our Bible is he ever positively mentioned, nor is he ever called a prophet. Yet somehow he had some mysticism that was successful at times and terribly off at other times, and yet he was called upon by kings. We need to... Pay attention to this character. In fact, in 1967, in Jordan, a city of, uh, uh, of Deir Allah, they were doing excavations and they found empirical evidence of the man Balaam of Beor, this actual sorcerer. It's without a doubt they're describing the same Balaam we're talking about today. And they found evidence that he was, a, uh, he was the type of person who sacrificed birds to open up their insides and study their intestines to try to discern divine revelation about a given matter. Some of you have seen things like this in The Chosen before. There's also evidence that he was the type of person who used spells and incanta incantations with a wand. I'm not joking. Modern day Harry Potter. Not modern day. Balaam day Harry Potter. <laughs> and so this is the type of person that he went after. By the way, if you have struggled to believe that the Bible is real, I just proved to you that in Jordan, in a city, they are still uncovering evidence that proves everything in here is accurate and true. Can I get an amen? So let's read Numbers 22. I'm going to read a little bit more scripture than normal, so I'm going to ask you to lean in. Don't, don't go to sleep on me. Don't daydream on me because uh, the message I believe God's got is lined up and ready. It says uh, that, so the next morning, Balaam got up, saddled his donkey, and started off with the Moabite officials. By the way, what I left out is the king Moab came to get Balaam. He told him no twice. Then he decided to go. And so now he's going to Moab to meet with Balak, King Balak. And it says, he, he, he saddled his donkey, started off with the Moabite officials. But God was angry that Balaam was going. So he sent the angel of the Lord to stand in the road to block his way. As Balaam and two servants were riding along, Balaam's donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road, oh, by the way, with a drawn sword in his hand. We're not talking about a sheath sword. We're not talking about it's, 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 it, it, he's strapped and he's locked and loaded. We're talking about it's drawn. And it says this, the donkey saw the angel, so the donkey bolted off the road into a field. Who wouldn't? But Balaam beat it and turned it back onto the road. Then the angel of the Lord stood at a place where the road narrowed between two vineyard walls. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it tried to squeeze by <laughs> and accidentally crushed Balaam's foot against the wall. So Balaam beat the donkey again. Someone say, leave that donkey alone. Then the angel of the Lord moved further down the road 
to block his way and stood in a place too narrow for the donkey to go left or right or to get by at all. And this time, when the donkey saw the angel, it lay down under Balaam. And in a fit of rage, Balaam beat the animal again with his staff. And then the Lord gave the donkey the ability to speak. It's getting crazy. The donkey looks at the man. I, I, I picture it. You got to picture it. What the heck have I ever done to you? What have I done to you to deserve your beating me three times? You have made me look like a fool, Balaam shouted. Now, I submit to you, yelling at a donkey in public does not help your cause. Stop telling me. Stop making me look like a fool. Everyone's going, he has lost it. He's lost it. It says, if I had a sword with me, Balaam says, I would have killed you. It's interesting that the man is threatening the donkey with a sword when the donkey is able to see an angel with a sword. The question is, what do you fear more, men with swords or angels with swords? This one's going to get tough to answer today. And we're going to get to the bottom of it because we can say, I don't like angels with swords, but I fear crowds with swords. Popular opinion with swords. Man's opinion with swords. My girlfriend's opinion with swords. My boyfriend's opinions with swords. My, my parents' opinion with swords. People's opinions with swords. Politicians' opinions with swords. He said, if I had a sword with me, I would have killed you. But I am the same donkey you have ridden your whole life, the donkey answered. Have I ever done anything like this before? I need you to understand that the donkey is acting more like a man, and the man is acting more like a donkey. Oh, if I preach this in the King James Version, you go ahead and fill in the name for the donkey. The is acting more like a man, and the man is acting more like a... Okay, some of y'all are getting it. Some of y'all need help with your King James Bible. It's a three-letter word. starts with an A. I'm just trying to preach Bible to you. The man's acting more like a donkey. Now, Balaam admitted. Uh, 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 he, said, he said, no, you've never done this before, Balaam admitted. Then the Lord finally opened Balaam's eyes. And he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the roadway, oh, by the way, with a drawn sword in his hand. And Balaam bowed his head and fell face down on the ground before him. Why did you beat your donkey those three times, the angel of the Lord demanded him. Look, I have come to block your way because you are stubbornly, stubbornly resisting me. What an interesting adjective. A word that is often used to define donkeys, stubborn, is now being applied to a man instead of an animal because one's acting more like a donkey than the other. He says, you've been so stubbornly resisting me that you were so blinded to see that I've been in your way trying to protect you, trying to stop you, trying to tell you no, and you weren't looking. You were just so ambitious about where you were going. You missed me three times. Three times, verse 33 says, the donkey saw me and shied away. Otherwise, I certainly would have killed you by now and spared the donkey. 
Then Balaam confessed to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned. I did not realize you were standing in the road to block my way. I will return home if you are against my going. This is week one of donkey faith. And I've entitled it, Developing Faith That Lasts in Turbulent Times. Would you pray with me? God, I pray that you use this text and you help speak to us what we should walk out of this place applying beginning today. And that we would honor you, live for you, and bring the best for you in Jesus' name. And everyone agreed can say? This is such a crazy story in our Bible. Don't ever let someone tell me or tell you that the Bible is boring because the Bible is full of colorful stories like this. Talking donkeys who want waffles. Okay, Shrek might have influenced me a little bit. But the story is laced with stark contrasts. I think the contrasts are so starkly different that God's trying to make it so impossible for you and I to miss the lessons that are trying to be exemplified through this real life event with these real life people. We can be two types of people. We can be like Balaam who look very spiritual. Before this situation happened, he talked to God, he heard from God. In Numbers 23, after this, he will actually edict a prophetic message directly out of the mouth of God. Yet in this situation, he looks spiritual, but he can't see God. He can't discern God. He's missing it. He has lost it in this moment. Or we can be like a donkey, quite humble yet able to discern and see what God is trying to do right in front of us. We can either be like Balaam or we can be like a donkey, and that's why I think we need a little bit more donkey in our faith starting in 2024. What is a donkey faith? Two points for today, and I hope you will take notes. What is a donkey faith? Number one, donkey faith is faith with fortitude. It's faith with resilience. It's faith with grit. It's faith with sustainability. It's not fleeting faith. It's fortitude worth of faith. It, it, it is solid. It is fixed. It's not going to be influenced by culture. It's not going to be moved. It is standing rock solid on the word of God. And no matter what kind of opposition comes my way, come hell or high water, come beatings from my own master, I am not moving from my faith. It is donkey faith is a faith with fortitude. The problem is our world is lacking fortitude. I don't have to convince you of that. The antonym or the opposite of the word fortitude is spineless, indecisive, vacillating. Christian one moment, it doesn't, it doesn't help my cause to be Christian in this moment. Christian, come on, Sunday through Friday, Friday night, vacillating, Saturday morning, back, come on, vacillating, a little here, there. When I'm with this group, I'm Christian. When I'm with this group, not so much. Come on, vacillating, spineless, unable to stand up to opposition, one that folds rather quickly. Fortitude 
is something that's lacking. I'm not just talking in Christianity or in religion. I'm talking about in our world. Have you ever heard someone complain about having to do their job before? Come on. (laughs) I could have showed you viral videos of young people going, I just finished college, and now I got a 9 to 5 job, and they expect me to get there at 9, and they expect me to leave at 5, and I can't leave any earlier than 5, and I have to be there by 9, or I lose my job, and I can't use my phone. My life has become miserable. They've gone viral. You probably know what video I'm talking about. There's no fortitude in a lot of things. Many people today are a lot like this meme I once found that says, (laughs) the boss boss says, this is the third time you've called out this week. You know what that means? (laughs) Your answer, it's Wednesday. (laughs) Did they put that up there? Come on, put that up there with me. I, I I can't tell a meme. Without a meme up there. Okay, they're ready. Put it up there. Please, please, please put it up there. Has it been up there already? Thank you. It's kind of like this meme I once saw. (laughs) This is the third time you've called out today. It means it's Wednesday. In 1912, President Teddy Roosevelt got shot in the chest, point blank. Bullet lodged in his chest. Because he's a hunter, he knows if that bullet didn't kill me, If it didn't drop me, that means I've got a little bit of time before I really need medical attention. So he stood up after being shot point blank with a bullet in his chest. He stepped up to the podium and he gave a speech anyway. Here was his opening line. The bullet is in me now so that I cannot make a very long speech. 53 minutes later, standing in his own blood, he concluded the speech. That, my friend, is fortitude. It's saying, nothing's going to stop me. This is a little bit of resistance. There's a little bit of opposition. But I am so, uh, I'm so convinced of what I believe that I'm holding the course. So many have faith that's frail. Faith that's convenient. But some have faith that flees at the first sign of hostility. But I want faith with fortitude that will never come unglued. Come on, someone give me an amen. Matthew 7 says it like this. If you work these words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who builds his house on solid rock. Rain poured down, the river flooded, a tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. It was fixed to the rock. Someone say fortitude. But if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you are like a stupid carpenter who built his house on a sandy beach. And when the storm rolled in and the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. My question for you today is, when your faith comes up against opposition, will it have fortitude or will it fold? Let me ask you this way. When opposition comes and tests your beliefs, will you have a wonky faith or will you have a donkey faith? You knew where I was going with that. Come on. Try to set you up. Keeping my rhymes going. You got to understand, the donkey had real opposition. Real opposition. We're not talking you might get canceled. We're not talking you might lose a few friends on social media. We're not talking you might lose your blue check, or we're not talking you might get passed over for the promotion. We're talking beatings. We're talking about to be sacrificed, about to become dinner for tonight. 
because you are no longer serving my purposes. He was beaten time and time again. These are real bruises. They are wounds not just from anyone. They're wounds from a friend. And you know that wounds from a friend hurt even more. The donkey had a resilient, stubborn faith. And it goes something like this, and I want you to understand this too. Increasingly in our culture, our culture is going to ask you, you're going to go with God or are you going to go with me? And if you don't go with me, I will cancel you. I will, I will roll out on you. I will leave you out of the friend group. I will talk about you in other friend groups. And the question that they're going to ask you is this. You really going to cross me? And I want to tell you that a donkey faith says this. I love you. You know me. We have a good relationship. There's nothing inside of me, oh master, who wants to cross you. We're tight. We've been loyal for a long time. I'm not looking to get into a fight with you. I'm not the one picking a fight with you. I'm not the one looking to have a disgruntlement with you. But let me make something painfully clear. If it comes down to crossing an angel with swords or crossing a man with swords, be very clear that I will cross you every single time you make me. Come on, can I get an amen here? A donkey face says, I'm not looking to talk about that agenda item every single time we get together. I'm not looking to bring up the black eye every single time. I'm not looking to make our entire relationship about it. But if you choose to make our entire relationship about this and nothing else, if it comes down to crossing you or crossing God, I'm not looking to cross you. But if you're going to force my hand, be painfully clear, I will cross you every time before I cross him. A donkey faith understands. That an angel with a sword, God with a sword, is far more fearful than a man with a sword. We've got to get the type of faith that says it's got faith with fortitude. Come beatings, come replacement, substitute out another mule, bring someone in a little bit different than me or better than me, start all over again, but I'm not crossing that angel that's right in front of me. I'm not crossing my faith. I would rather lay down and let you talk about me and rip me on social media and, and, and have your way with me than for me to cross God. I choose to cross you. But I'm not forcing your hand. Ain't y'all tracking with me? Because as Christians, we don't need to be the type who's always looking to pick a, pick a fight. We're looking to love, and we're looking to look past. I thank God God looked past my sin for a very long time before I bowed my knee to him. So I'm looking. I'm looking to develop a relationship, but make it very clear, I'm not going to cross God over crossing you. Number two, donkey faith values God's word above man's opinion. The donkey was more concerned with God's message than his master was. The contrast that with Balaam, he went out. He went in and out of touch with God's voice. In, in early number 22, Balak says, come, curse these people. He says, wait right here. I'm going to go talk to God. Let me see if God gives me permission. The first time, God says, what are these people? Have nothing to do with them. Do not go. Do not curse. So he goes back and he says, I cannot do it. 
The second time they come back with more prestigious men, look it up in your own Bible. They rolled up with celebrities and high politicians. He brought more money than before and he said, I will hook you up for life. You will have a position of influence all your life. Just come and curse these people for me. Balaam says, I can't do anything God doesn't tell me. So he goes into a prayer room and I believe tries to convince God, please let me go. I'll, I'll find a way to obey you and still get the paycheck. Let me go. And so the Bible says that Finally, Balaam goes. Then he has sudden stupidity that for the next 22 verses or so, he can't see God when it's an angel standing in front of him with a drawn sword. You could talk to him in prayer. You, you, you heard him in 2023, but you can have a 2024 of sudden stupidity. Even if just for a few verses, even for just a few days, few weeks, few seasons, few months. And then in Numbers 23, he goes back to hearing God's voice and speaking exactly what God says, blessing a people that the people hired him to curse. It proves to us that you and I can go in and out of hearing God's voice. We could go in season and out of season. We, we, we could be on fire and uh, in step, and then we could be completely uh, oblivious to it, yet call ourselves Christian, in tune, on fire with God, yet I can't even see the angel in front of me. My donkey can see it before I can. And when you get to those seasons in life, I don't want to pick on you. I'll tell you, do everything you can to go all back in, to get back to the voice of God. The Lord says, I am the good shepherd, and my sheep know my voice. They, they, he desires to connect with you. He desires to guide you. His light is a lamp unto our feet. And when you don't have that lamp very close, you are wandering in darkness going, the light is all around. And even your donkey's going, no, it ain't. You're walking in one of the darkest pits you've ever walked in. Deceiving yourself because I can see what you can't see. We can slip in and out of touch with God. How often do we do this when we get big-eyed for the world's prize? I think it often happens when we're on fire and then the world offers us something better. And in a moment of, this could be good, we'll even try to convince God, God, I'll tithe off of this. I mean, he's got a big paycheck. Come on, this will hook up your church. If I got this kind of influence, I'd be in government circles. Do you imagine what I could do for Christianity and the kingdom? And you're trying to convince God to do something that he said, do not go, do not curse. But sometimes when we get big-eyed for the world's prize, we can roll out on what God said. In other words, we should stay big-eyed for the precious prize of God's word. Come on, someone say big-eyed for the precious prize of God's word. In fact, we wanted to make that as easy as we can. This is the first time we were able to do this. We're doing a Bible in a year plan together. And if you've ever felt alone when you were reading your Bible, now we've got a plan. It's on our website. They're putting it up on the screen right now. I think there's a QR code you can even scan. If not, go to liftsby.com and on the homepage, there's a Bible in a year plan. Yes, we started it January 1st and no, God will not strike you if you just start with us on the 7th. Thank you. <laughs> Start up with us on the 7th. Because when you're in a community of people journeying together, you might run into a bit of scripture that is confusing to you, but oh, I'm on a dream team and someone right next to me read the same scripture and I'm talking about it at the dream team or I'm talking about it in my small group or I'm talking about it in the hallway. Why don't you try this with us? 
It's four different readings per day. So if you go through a boring section, and yeah, there are some parts in the Bible where I'm just like, he begat who and why? Okay, anyway. There's three other sections that will hold your interest, and we'll talk about it together. So join us with that. So how do we build faith that lasts? How do we build faith that holds up to the turbulent times? Well, I think this is where fasting is key. Fasting is doing less of the world and more with God. I want to I sacrifice more of the world and my carnal flesh and my internal thoughts, and I want to get more of God's thoughts in my life. Biblically, it's abstaining from food and sometimes water. And in our Bible, there's three different reasons why fasts were called. Number one, seeking victory or understanding. Anybody want victory in 2024? Let me see your hand. Anybody want more understanding than you already got? I'm not saying you don't have some understanding. I'm just saying who doesn't want a little bit more? You should fast. Here's the second reason. An expression of remorse or repenting. If I know I've stepped in the wrong direction, if I know I've got sin in my life, if I know I'm tired of it taking my lunch every single day, I'm tired of this repetitive sin and this issue, then I I fast for a sign of remorse and repenting. Number three, spiritual discipline of helping one focus on spiritual matters. It's removing the crap. It's removing the busyness. It's removing the the congestion so that I can just see God. It's resetting. It's purging some things. I tell my daughters, I got young girls, and and, and if you ever want to give them a gift, please make sure it is two pieces or or less in that set. Because some people keep giving us sets of things that are 2,000 different accessory items of clothing. It's like, awesome, this is going to be fantastic. I'll be stepping on shoes for the rest of my life. Come on. You, you know what I'm talking about. Come on. Y'all got, you got kids. Anybody, you got some girls up in there. Come on. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. So I always tell them, we're going to purge so that we can enjoy what we're about to receive. And some of us need to purge some things in our lives so that we can enjoy the presence of God. Ezra is my favorite person in the Bible when it comes to fasting. He frequently called fasts, and for all different three reasons at different times, he called those fasts. Like in Ezra 10, he fasts for remorse of his generation and his people marrying the world. They began to marry people that were outside of the confines God said to marry. We, too, have this problem today. I'm not talking about who you walk down the aisle with. I'm talking about marrying our life with worldliness. A little bit of Christianity, a little bit of world, put it together, and let's call it a marriage, and I'm one with that. He called a fast to say, let's get rid of this and keep it all about God. In in Ezra chapter 8, he called a corporate fast to humble themselves and ask for God's favor. It says this, I gave orders for all of us to fast and to humble ourselves before our God. We prayed that he would give us a safe journey and protect us, our children, and our goods as we traveled. Anybody want a safe journey? Raise your hand. Anybody want God to protect their family? Raise your other hand. Anybody want him to protect your goods? We have no more hands to raise. Sounds like a good idea to me. So each year we ask God at the beginning of the year to protect our goods, our future steps, our families, what he's called us to. And we we clear out the clutter, and we remove the chaff, and we keep the wheat, and we walk with him. So this year, instead of calling a 21-day fast, I'm calling a seven-day fast. 
because I want 100% participation. I think we could do this for seven days. There are different types of fasts. There's different lengths in the Bible. There was one-day fasts. There were seven-day fasts. There were 40-day fasts. And there were various days fasts. There's different types of fasts in the Bible. Typically, it's refraining from food. You can refrain from all food and just survive on juices. By the way, it's been done by many of us. But if you have health concerns and you can't do that, you can also think about a Jewish fast. I've loved this one, especially if you have young kids in the house or a spouse who's not able to do the same fast as you. A Jewish fast is from sunup to sundown. I'm going to consume nothing but water. I'm going to spend my time consuming the Word of God. When that sun goes down, it's dinner time. Come on, bring the kids to the table. Get my spouse at the table. Let's grow. But as long as the sun's up, I'm going to fast, and I'm going to spend my time with them. You could do a Daniel fast, which is I've given up meats and cheeses and sweets, but I'm living off of vegetables and fruits. Daniel did that in the book of Daniel. Or you can um, do, do, do different kinds of fasts like that. Those all include food. You could do a type of soul fast where you say, I'm getting rid of secular music for seven days. I'm getting rid of social media for seven days. I'd love to read some of your posts that say, goodbye for seven days. I'm purging this for my life. You don't have to use the word purge. Say it however you want to lovely say it. But you say, no longer do I need your opinion as much as I need God's opinion. For seven days, I'm going to seek his opinion and his opinion alone. We have prayer books that we're going to offer you on the way out. Some of you have received these in the past. If you'd like to get another one, these are free to you, and we want you to have them. They have various ways to pray, so this will help you pray. There's different prayer models in here. Pick a different prayer model every single day and get closer to God. If you're like, how do I do this? We've got instructions for you how to pray through Scripture, how to pray through the Lord's Prayer, how to pray through the prayer of Jabez. It's powerful, so get one of these. We have this as a digital resource online. They're bringing up a website link right now, liftusby.com slash prayer, where it has types of fasts. You can go back and see how to fast and pick one. You can get a digital prayer book. You can also find resources to how to help your kids through seven days of fasting. There is a kid's fasting guide if you want it. Basically, we, we there are past messages on prayer and fasting on there from Lift Church. We're trying to give you as many resources as we can that for the next seven days, we're going to get a little donkey in our faith. And we're going to go all in and build some fortitude and resilience. And if you're in, can you give God a shout of praise real quick with me today? Fasting is a spiritual discipline that we should be doing at least once a year and probably way more often than that. We need to fast and repent of any worldly intermarrying and ask God to watch over us, our kids, and our possessions. And so starting tomorrow night, Monday through Friday, we're going to have at 7 o'clock a one-hour prayer time. It's going to include worship. It's going to include prayer. It's going to include a 10-minute encouragement, and it's going to include private prayer and corporate prayer. Join us Monday, Tuesday. We're going to let Soul Youth have Wednesday, so we're not meeting then. Thursday and Friday, we love to have you pray along with us. Your prayer requests you write on the Connect card will be covered this week by the whole church. Come on, somebody give me an amen. Let's get back to being all in on Jesus. Let me pray with you today. God, I've challenged our faith as much as possible. 
mind is challenged too to go to deeper levels, to get rid of some things, get rid of some things in our lives that we know we need to get rid of. And Father, I'm asking you today that you would place upon our heart some things that we could fast, a desire and a passion and a zeal to go after you. God, build up the fortitude in our faith that we will, uh, we will abandon you for nothing else in this world, but we will be resilient for you. And if you're under the sound of my voice and you're hearing God calling you today, I'm going to ask you, I won't call you forward and I won't embarrass you, but I'm asking you today, if you know I have not been all in with God, or maybe I have in the past, but I haven't been lately, if you know that today is the day to repent of your sin and go back to Him, would you just quickly throw your hand in the air and say, this is my year. I'm dedicating it to Him. I see hands all over the place. Don't hesitate. Hands are still going up. Hands all over the room. Thank you. Thank you. If you're online, you say, that's me too. Come on. Go all in. Right in the chat. I'm going all in. And we want to help you take those next steps of faith. Look at me real quick, everybody. If you raise your hand, something I didn't have time to preach, is that when Balaam figured out that his eyes were open, that, that God is good, it says he laid down his head face to the ground. Can I tell you the most dangerous thing you could do to a person holding a sword is to completely expose your neck. In other words, he's saying, I completely surrender to you. I go all in. I trust you with my entire life. And if you just raise your hand, I want you to bow your head to God. And I want you to go all in with him and trust him. The whole church is going to pray out loud and I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Would you repeat this after me and say, Jesus, I give you my life. I know I'm a sinner. I've made many mistakes. And I ask you to forgive me of all of them. All of them today. I get a brand new start because Jesus died on that cross and he is the son of God. And he paid my price. So I am forgiven today. And I'm starting all over again. In Jesus' name I pray. And the church said, amen and amen.